the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got uh, a great one today on this beautiful Saturday, March 19th, 2022. Welcome to the show. Um, We've got a packed program again, my friends, and we've got a lot of interesting information for you. We've got, uh, let me tell you, give me, give you a rundown real quick because you're going to want to hear this program and you're going to want your friends to hear it. So uh, when we put it up and when we put it on uh, Facebook, on Twitter and all the rest of the um, social media, uh, be sure that you tell your friends and, uh, and share it with them. Uh, this is, a, I mean, we've got a lot of information. First of all, we've got a new guest, uh, Idolfonso Ortiz, who is a reporter with Breitbart. And uh, I got uh, Ortiz to talk to us because he reported on the shooting. Uh, Some people have not even heard about it because the media is just not talking too much about it. But there was a huge shootout, a very, very menacing situation in Nuevo Laredo uh, this past Sunday, Um, this past Sunday, the 13th of March. Uh, reasoning being was that uh, they arrested, the uh, Mexican government arrested uh, one of the top cartel leaders there in, uh, in Nuevo Laredo. And uh, he was, or, or he was, intru- uh, he was sent uh, to the United States for, um, uh, uh, for trial. He is in the United States now. And of course, that angered the cartel. The cartel literally went on a uh, shooting spree and attacked a military base in Mexico, attacked the uh, police and the, and the uh, uh, wealthy section of Nuevo Laredo, and then they went so far as to attack the U.S. consulate in Nuevo Laredo. This, my friends, in my opinion, is an act of war. It is an act of terrorism. And uh, we should do something about it, but of course, you know, we uh, we want to have good relationships with Mexico, so nothing is going to be done. You know, uh, several of our folks have been, uh, of our guests, including myself, we have been screaming and yelling that we need to uh, declare these, uh, these cartels and terrorist organizations. Well, I mean, you know, Hezbollah uh, shot some, uh, shot, has, has shot at our uh, embassies, uh, Iran shot at our embassy in uh, in uh, t- in uh, Iraq this past week, uh, and then these these cartels they shot up our this cartel shot up our consulate. I mean, my friends, we got to do something about it. Uh, real quick, who else is on? Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies, a regular on our show. He's going to be talking about the next wave of illegal aliens that's coming to our border. We want we we need to be prepared about this. Jason Jones from Newsmax. Jason is uh, is um, uh, a border crime expert. He's going to talk about what is happening at the border with criminal activity. And uh, our closing uh, 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 guest is Mr. Spencer Rayleigh, who is uh, with FAIR in Washington, D.C. And he's going to be talking about how literally the Biden administration has um, has absolutely undermined all immigration law enforcement. I mean, they have just really uh, taken every tooth and claw out of 
uh, ICE and the Border Patrol and, um, you know, just made them inept, just or, or, or completely, completely, uh, they, they have uh, made them uh, useless, useless in their work of, uh, of defending our country, of providing uh, some type of of, uh, of sense of border security, they have com- uh, the Biden administration has completely undermined that. So uh, without further ado, my friends, thank you for joining us. I want to uh, thank Border Hawk News, uh, our sponsor. If there's anything you want to know about um, about the news uh, of immigration or borders or migratory patterns across the world, across the nation, uh, and of course here at our border uh, in in uh, with Mexico. Border Hawk News is the place to go, my friends. Also, please remember, let me remind everybody that this is a pre-recorded show, so no need to call us on the phone. We are a pre-recorded show. So without further ado, my friends, let's go to our first guest, George Rodriguez El Conservador. Welcome to the show. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez El Conservador talking to you from San Antonio. On KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, and we've got uh, a new guest with us, uh, someone that probably many of you have read his reports, uh, Mr. Ildefonso Ortiz, and uh, he is with Breitbart, and I reached out to him because uh, he did the report, he's been reporting on the shooting, uh, the uh, cartel attack in uh, Nuevo Laredo uh, that occurred uh, I believe uh, Monday morning, Sunday night and uh, so I wanted to get him on here so he could give us a first hand account uh, of what he has found out uh, regarding this uh, this terrible situation thank you for being with us uh, Ildefonso and, and can you um, tell us tell us a little bit about this whole situation tell us what you found out well, sure. Thank you for having me. So what happened was that on Sunday night, uh, Mexican authorities, actually the Mexican army, carried out a raid targeting one of the, well, the main leader of the cartel that controls that area, which is the Cartel del Noreste, also known as Los Zetas. So they captured this gentleman known as El Huevo, and that's the main leader for for that organization. Uh, this set off a, about five hours of shootouts throughout the city. Pretty much his entire organization uh, went crazy trying to rescue their boss, trying to uh, pretty much spread terror throughout throughout the city. And as part of that, they carried out a direct attack on the U.S. consulate. They fired shots at the consular buildings. They also shot at a Mexican military base. They torched vehicles. They they parked tractor trailers across main highways. They set them on fire. Pretty much uh, anything they could to disrupt the city as a show of force. Now, the interesting part about the Losetas is that this organization literally controls the city of Nuevo Laredo. They control the local government. They control the media. They control uh, local authorities uh, to the point where they actually patrol their own cities with convoys of gunmen and armored SUVs rolling around the, the city. Uh, pretty much with their logos and their guns out in full uh, with full impunity. So for the Mexican military, when they took this guy down, uh, they pretty much terrorized the entire city. Uh, now, one of the things that's interesting is that, and which is very rare for Mexico, uh, at the time of the arrest, they did it on three warrants. One for uh, organized crime out of Tamaulipas, one from the state of Coahuila on the charge of terrorism, and one uh, for extradition towards the U.S., Interestingly enough, Mexico's federal government does not have a case against this gentleman, El, El Huevo. Really? Yes. That, that is very, very interesting. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this show of force by the cartel, this has been, something like this has happened before, like when they, um, in, uh, I'm not sure if it was in, in Colima or in, or in uh, Guadalajara, that they tried to arrest the son of El Chapo, and um, there was a, an extreme show of force by the cartel, and literally, they, the the um, the president told uh, the the military to back down, the police to back down. Isn't that true? 
That is correct. It happened in Culiacán, Sinaloa. They had captured uh, one of the sons of El Chapo. His nickname is El Raton. Uh, his name is Ovidio. Uh, and literally, um, the, the Sinaloa cartel pretty much descended on on on, on the town. They uh, pretty much were going to massacre innocents uh, and pretty much just playing their, their full power. And back then, he and said order his release. Uh, and it was at the, you know, at the, uh, since Mexico's president has assumed uh, power uh, three years ago, he took a very different approach. He basically was pre- preaching hugs, not bullets. That was his, his motto. <laughs> Abrazos, no balazos. Uh, where he basically was saying that the war on drugs was over and that instead of fighting <laughs> crime, they would uh, push for social programs to keep kids in school so they wouldn't become drug dealers. And that's been his whole mantra this whole time. Which is why it's very rare or very weird that they actually went after um, El Huevo uh, on Sunday. Now, the problem with El Huevo and Los Cetas is that this is one of the most sadistic uh, criminal organizations. They are responsible for thousands of thousands of massive uh, forced disappearances. By that, I mean people that are kidnapped and never heard from again. Uh thousands and thousands of murders and sadly the, the problem in Mexico is that if there's no body there's no crime so that is why they're called forced disappearances uh, what these guys do is they pretty much have clandestine crematoriums I've been to those places uh, after they've, they've been raided uh, pretty much you're talking about you know hundreds of uh, 55 gallon drums where they uh, pretty much uh, dismember a body put the body parts inside, use uh, oil and diesel, and they torch it, and they incinerate an entire human. And th- this is a practice that they've been doing for years wow. in several places within their territory. That, that's incredible. In, that... in 2015, we actually had photos of one of those places that, that, that we went to, uh, and they, they, they've managed to eradicate thousands of people that way. So that is the scary part about this particular cartel, Los Cetas, uh, CDN now, as they call themselves. They are, uh, you know, there's no difference between what they do and actual terrorism. Amazing. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Well, first of all, it is very, very strange that the government acted against this this criminal organization. Because, I mean, like you said, it's, they're trying to get along with them in some form or fashion. Um, do you think that the uh, order to go after them came from someplace other than the president? Well, we have to remember that in just uh, three months, Mexico's going to have elections. Ah, yes. That's right. So, and, and Tamaulipas is one of the states that's up for grabs. So, uh, that is one state that the uh, the party that, that controls Mexico, which is called the Morena Party, has their sights on Tamaulipas. So, it seems like there's something behind there. It's There's a political statement there instead of just business as usual. Yeah, true. I thought that the Morena were, party was uh, was kind of socialist and, uh, you know, very much to the left. That they are. Uh, or that's what they preach. They preach to... Uh... <laughs> True. Uh, go ahead. Oh, pretty much. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, they, they claim to be leftists. They claim to uh, do that. But in reality, they pretty much do whatever the president says. Whatever's I mean, convenient, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, literally, Lopez Obrador and Manuel Lopez Obrador, the president, he's built, he's literally Morena. So whatever he says is what goes, regardless of. Yeah. Very. But for example, um, you know, they were catering to the feminist movement, but now the feminist movement is upset at Morena because they've actually uh, allowed uh, some people, uh, an individual that was a sexual crimes to run for governor and to run for other other positions so they there's been a lot of uh what they've done is actually not what they they claim to do <laughs> oh my gosh so uh real quick here in conclusion what do you think what do you think is going to happen what do you think uh, i mean is this going to guy ever going to go to trial or is he i mean they, they haven't released him so what uh, do you think if I'm not mistaken, he's uh, getting extradited to the U.S. Oh, where he does have pending charges over here. Uh, if, if by any chance he does stay in Mexico, sadly, there's a, a very high probability of him being released. It's a tradition that judges have in Mexico. They 
the captor, if you're a top boss and a judge gets very rich very quickly, and it's something that's been going on for years, Mexico's government parades the cartel boss that they captured, and then six months later, that guy's out back again. So it, uh, um, if they do follow through with the extradition, which I think they are, uh, he should be in a federal, U.S. federal courthouse pretty soon. Wow, incredible. Thank you very, very much, Ildefonso. Uh, uh, tell the folks where they can follow you and how they can follow you. Uh, I'm at Breitbart News. If you go to the Breitbart website, click on the World tab, scroll down to where it says Border and Cartel Chronicles. That is where you can read uh, my work, the work of my colleagues, and then the Cartel Chronicles uh, section, which is pretty much uh, people that we have in Mexico that have to use a pseudonym because of if their real names ever came out, they would be targeted by cartels. So that's something that we do to keep to bring really what's happening in Mexico, not just what the government wants people to know, but the horrors that really do take place and they continue to take place over there. You got it. We got to get you back on again uh, sometime soon because, um, we, you know, we follow the border very, very closely on my show. So we got to, I got to get you back on uh, sometime soon again. All right, buddy? My, it'll be my pleasure. Great. That would be fantastic. Once again, my friends, we've been talking with our good friend, uh, Alfonso. Uh, Ortiz from Breitbart, and this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, in San Antonio. Hi folks, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism. Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman, from the Center for Immigration uh, Studies. And uh, I had to get Todd on here because, again, he has done a great job of, uh, of uh, publicizing something, a report that's uh, very, very important to us, my friends. Apparently, there is another wave, uh, I used the word horde a little while ago, of immigrants, migrants, illegals, whatever you want to call them, coming our way. Uh, uninvited, uninvited uh, to our borders. Todd, tell us about this. Tell us about this new re- news report you've been writing about. Yeah, so I think you and I have talked about this in the past, where the Mexican government, under an agreement with Joe Biden and the administration, has put up a bureaucratic wall on its southern border with Guatemala to block as many migrants coming through as possible uh, into the city of Tapachula, and this uh, agreement's been around for about a year now, uh, ever since they came into office, to make it look less bad, you know, fewer people crossing the border. Uh, so Mexico makes everybody that crosses in from Guatemala apply for a visa or humanitarian visa or some kind of residency permit or temporary permission slip before they will let them continue on to the American border. But they slow roll it all and they drag it out and until there's... 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 of them all piled up down there in Tapachula, which I saw. I went down there in January and I saw that. But then they become a problem for the Mexicans because they start rioting. They start conducting, um, you know, uh, disruption uh, operations in the middle of the streets. And they fight with the cops and they fight with each other. And uh, at some point, it reaches critical mass, and the Mexican government just lets them all through, all at once. Never mind your permission slips; you can all just go, fifty thousand at a time. Wow! So that's what they've got down there. They've got a really big one down there now. It's a huge number. Uh, looks like it's about seventy-five thousand in the city that that is behind this bureaucratic wall, and they are rioting every day. You can look it up. Look up the uh, Mexican press on this in Tapachula, and they are not going to be able to hold them there for much longer. And when they do, they're going to do it in a way that you can't really see very visibly. It's called an ant operation. 
And with this, they'll bring in buses and load them up uh, for a couple of weeks it'll take, and they'll bring them to 15 or 16 different Mexican cities so that you can't really see it. And then that way, all 70,000 of these people are going to end up over our border, and the agreement with Joe Biden will be violated again. This will be the third or fourth time that I know this has happened. So my piece today in Town Hall describes what's going on down there. Here's the latest uh, wall of people about to crash over the dam. You know, uh, again, this is this is really, really disturbing because uh, we just heard uh, that uh, on Monday night, or Sunday night, rather, on Sunday night, there was a big shooting in Nuevo Laredo where the cartels were doing a vengeance attack, I guess, uh, because the Mexican government has apparently arrested one of the cartel leaders. And uh, there was a, there, there were attacks on, uh, on a uh, military base, a Mexican military base. There was an attack on the municipal building. And there was an attack on the American consulate in Nuevo Laredo. I mean, if they are that emboldened at the border, uh, wouldn't they be emboldened enough to <laughs> assist these people in running across the border and, I mean, just overwhelming us? Well, those cartels are going to make a, a hefty profit on these 70,000. The Mexicans are only going to bust them up to, you know, like central Mexico, like, uh, you know, Mexico City and Hermosillo and... Monterey, and uh, they're not going to probably bring them right up to the border. And then all of those tens of thousands of migrants will have to figure out, you know, who's got the best deal, which who's bringing them across, who's getting who's getting in, that kind of thing. And uh, but eventually, though, the, the a great many of them are going to end up in cartel hands, and they'll probably have to spend two, three, four, five grand a piece to get over to pay those cartels. So. Uh, that's just the way it works. You and I know about this. We've talked about it a lot. In the meantime, um, does the Biden administration continue to, I'll use the word dismantle, law enforcement, border border uh, patrol, and ICE enforcement? Well, the numbers, uh, the deportation numbers are finally out for the uh, 2021 year. Uh, they were very delayed. This is a, an annual report that goes back 12, 13 years, everybody puts it out right around January, February, and uh, this one was delayed, uh, probably got very politicized, because what it shows is the lowest number of deportations from the American interior in, like, history. They're just not doing deportations anymore. There may be uh, 40 or 50,000, I don't have the exact number, 40 or 50,000 deportations for the entire year. Uh, compared to, you know, 200,000 in a normal year, uh, 180,000 in a normal year. Well, also, in compar- and, compared to the number of people entering. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but, I mean, if you don't have deportation happening, you you have this incredible magnetizing attraction. Yep. Because uh, all you got to do is, that's why you have runners. Is all, all they know all they got to do is get past the 100-mile mark, and there's no deportation. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're also looking at a proposal by the Biden administration to do away with Title 42, which, you know, in fairness to the administration, they can't they can't keep that forever. I mean, at some point, you know, the pandemic is going to end, and you can't still use Title 42. But once they do get rid of Title 42, man, it is just going to be wide open. I mean, uh, all the single adults. And male and female single adults who have been the subject of Title 42 pushbacks uh, will now just turn themselves in and say, "I declare asylum." And of course, there won't be deten- there won't be bed space anywhere for them, so they'll just be paroled in along with all the families and unaccompanied minors who have been coming in. And so, Border Patrol will just be absolutely jammed up, overwhelmed, all of that, overwhelmed with all of that. You just uh, keep an eye. I, I, what I'm hearing is that 42 is going to end in two weeks. So if if that happens, uh, you know, it'll be just in time probably for the ant operation for the 75,000 down there. They're all going to run for that. And uh, everybody else is going to run, come running in behind them, too. Well, uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I just wish there was a light at the end of the tunnel, but I don't see it. I really don't. They don't. They just, the administration, 
has one other uh, proposal that if that thing uh, passes, you know, it's a regulation and a policy where they're trying to give ultimate authority for granting asylum to actual asylum officers instead of judges, in which case they can then just say, hey, say yes to everybody. And on the spot, you, you would have, uh, you know, everybody suddenly legalized, immediately legal. Oh, yeah, you have asylum. I grant all of you, everybody in this room has asylum. Go. Uh, things like that. Uh, so there are some things that are coming down the pike that might make this thing really, really, uh, you know, that this historic migration uh, look like a whole, like a, like a lot of fun, you know, compared to what's coming. Amazing. I got my fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. Todd, tell the folks where they can read about you and where they and about your book. Yeah, uh, America's Covert Border War, which is all about the terrorist threat and counterterrorism programs down at the border, available where all the usual places where you can buy books, America's Covert Border War. Uh, and then you can follow me at tbensman at getter and Benzman Todd on Twitter and read all my stuff at ToddBenzman.com. You got it, buddy. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with my good friend Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Thanks a lot, Todd. You take care. We'll get you back on sometime soon. Always good to be here. Thanks, George. Thank you. George Rodriguez, El Conservador. KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, crime expert and also reporter for uh, uh, Newsmax. And uh, I wanted him to, uh, as he usually does, to give us an update of what is going on at the border. We've just had an election uh, and uh, see if anything has changed. Has there been any slowdown of the uh, uh, of, of the uh, crossings at the border? Has um, Have the chases slowed down? Uh, what the heck's been going on? Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. What's going on? Give us an update. George, as always, it's good to be with you, buddy, and to have an opportunity to talk to the folks and tell them what's happening on that border, but most importantly, how it's happening down there directly impacts them and their families. And we broke last week the February numbers. We got them leaked to us uh, from U.S. Customs and Border Protection for the month of February. And they apprehended, the men and women of U.S. CBP, 163,536 people in one month. Wow. Now, if you're saying, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? In context, if you take the same time frame last February in the worst border crisis uh, in American history, they only apprehended 101,099 at that time. So it shows us we're seeing major increases in 22. Now, let me give you the five-month spread since the fiscal year started. And, and by the way, the fiscal year is how the, the federal government you know, begins their, their cycle. So for fiscal year 22... We now sit at 836,377 apprehensions. Let me say that again. 836,000 apprehensions in a five-month period. Now, if we, we relate that to last year in the same time frame, it was only 397,549. So it shows us very clearly in the data that fiscal year 22 is going to more than double what we saw in the worst border crisis last year in 21. It's incredible, the numbers. Just incredible. That, that, you know, it it, uh, it just doesn't seem to be slowing down. Now, what is the morale of the Border Patrol? Because last year it was bad. What's it like now? Well, Title 42 is ending. So what is Title 42? When you talk about morale of law enforcement, Title 42 was the last real um, authority that they had for mass deportation. I don't know if the folks are aware, but Title 42 is the COVID restriction that because of COVID allowed CBP to do rapid expulsions out of the country. And since February of 2020, when it was implemented, they've, they've detained and removed over 1.2 million people under this. Well, now that's going away effective. They're saying April 1st, uh, we will see if it doesn't happen sooner, but that's what's being said. And that's a big thing when you talk about the morale and to your question, because 
and muster. Muster is where they all come together um, before they start their shift. I mean, they just, they just, and, and I was told, uh, just basically gasped out loud, like, man, what are they going to do to us next? Because what this means is that by Title 42 going away, all the single males and single females, Georgia, that you've heard me talk about that have been crossing illegally as runners are now going to just start turning themselves in because they know that the deportations under COVID restrictions are going to be exonerated. So expect much higher numbers. And I know what this means for me. I'll be on the border April 1st. Wow. I get it on video. Wow. Yes, I mean, you know, I wish, I wish I could come here and give you some. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, you know, we, just, we need that reality check. Now, let me ask you this question because over the weekend I read that uh, there was a report that said that um, eight of the most dangerous cities in the world, eight of the most dangerous cities in the world were in Mexico. Um, I would imagine that the cartels and the killings uh, have accelerated or continue even worse. Well, everything runs you know, parallel to one another. So when you see increase in apprehensions at the southwest border, you see an increase in human smuggling, an increase in human trafficking, an increase in fentanyl, an increase in everything. You see it in the overdose deaths in the United States. And the reason for that is that transnational crime, and it is just that, it's transnational in nature, it impacts Mexico just as it does us. And so the cartels then battle for more control of space. They battle for control of people as a commodity. And, you know, deaths go up. And I, I'll give you a great example of that. The, in the month of February, we had 67 deaths, according to CBP, of, of migrants that they found dead. 67, usually it's between 5 and 15. But because so many were crossing in the winter months, which you got to remember, in the winter months, this is the slow season. The high season is, is when it's summertime because it's just too cold. And the fact that we've got 67 deaths is another great example. Wow. It, it just is, you know, it, it just seems to be gallivanting in the wrong direction. It, uh, with the Ukrainian um, uh, crisis going on, uh, we've, uh, we also have read and heard that there have been some Russians and Ukrainians that show up at the, uh, at, at the southern border now, too. That's true. That has been happening for some time. Um, it's really nothing new. We, we've seen a major increase in Russians and Ukrainians over the last year and a half just due to the open border situation. I think you're going to see that expanded upon, no doubt. I mean, look, at the end of the day, with what's happening overseas, the world knows that our southwest border is wide open. They do. And we can see it in the data from all the countries where people have been apprehended crossing at our southwest border. And I think in 22, we're seeing that play out in just the sheer number because they're arresting more people from other countries than they are from Mexico in Central America. So when we look at our border, we really have to look at it through the lens of national security, not just through the lens of immigration, because this border problem is much different than what it was. And this is why I tell people on both sides of the aisle, you know, Democrats think it's just an immigration issue. They're dead wrong. The Republicans believe that if you just build the border wall and you reinstate MPP, it's going to fix the issue. That was great in 2016. It's not great in 2022. Everything has changed now, and that's why I say we've got to look at this border for what it is. You know, the, we just had an election, and there has been a lot of uh, election talk, a lot of campaign talk about uh, whether or not the current governor, Governor Abbott, and... Uh, the current attorney general and lieutenant governor have done enough to um, to uh, address the border issue because obviously the federal government isn't doing anything. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the governor's office has done a great job in putting together Operation Lone Star, which is a unified concept operation working as local, state, federal together to try to stop crimes against the state. And I give the governor a lot of credit for the $3 billion so far, by the way. Let me just say that, $3 billion so far border operation. Um, and I give him a lot of credit. Now, with that being said, though, we have to look at this level of problem that we're seeing. It's much worse than what we saw historically, and it's just plain and simple, not enough. I'll just be very frank with you. As somebody that just gave you the data of 836,000 apprehensions, in just five months. In February, just to give you another one, there were 53,000 gotaways. Those are just known, never mind the ones that are unknown. And so while um, I think the governor's done a great job, there is a lot left to do. Now, as for the attorney general, I'm not a fan. And I'll tell you 
governor has done what he believes is all he can do, and he's trying. I don't see any of that from the AG's office. All I hear about from the AG's office is a lot of talk, not action. And I'm not, look, I'm a straight shooter. You know, more needs to be done here. That's the truth of it. But a lot of good work has been done as well when you go when I'm down there. You'll see no other state doing what Texas has done. That's the, just the truth of it. Excellent. Let me ask you if uh, you can leave us with anything before we let you go. Any any uh, other uh, news or or uh, comments that you'd like to leave with us before we let you go? Yeah, next time we're on, we need to talk about uh, an arrest that was just made of a very high-value player. I can't talk about it publicly, but it's going to play big on the national stage. I'm going to make sure of it as well because it's going to have a major impact uh, on the cartels in Mexico. The other thing that, that I want to leave the folks with is that this overdose death crisis that's happening in this country is absolutely preventable. And the problems that we have right now directly linked to that is that we continue to talk about these symptoms of smuggling, of trafficking, of what is happening with the overdose deaths, but we're not talking about what the problem is, which is these cartels. And once we go after those leaders and go after their labs, that's how we're going to mitigate this, because I will say this. The overdose deaths, just with everything else, will climb because we're seeing it as one thing climbs, such as apprehensions at your border, that directly impacts overdose deaths, directly impacts more agents pulled off the line um, that allows for more fentanyl and other drugs to come in. So we will see an increase, but I want you to know that it's fixable. And what the federal government is doing isn't going to fix it, which is this prevention and treatment model. While it sounds good, The problem is we've got the data that shows it doesn't work. Just look at the overdose death numbers. And what we need to do as a nation is steer our leaders at every level, local, state, and federal, to focusing on processes and policies after these cartels and stop going after the systems, and that's where we win. You got it, buddy. Thank you very, very much, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, uh, crime expert and border uh, reporter Jason, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us as usual, and we'll get you back on, uh, hopefully, maybe, well, as soon as you can uh, tell us more about this uh, arrest. You got it, buddy. Absolutely. Hey, as always, George, great to be with you. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Hi, folks, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio here in San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, a a new guest uh, from FAIR in Washington, D.C., Mr. Spencer Rayleigh. I think I've got your name correct, uh, Spencer? Yeah, you got it. You got it. (laughs) And Spencer happens to be the um, director of research at FAIR. And I really wanted to get him on because, of course, we here in Texas know about the, uh, only too well, about the border crisis that's going on. And uh, I wanted to, him to give us some uh, perspective of uh, from the research that he's done uh, as to uh, this crisis that we're facing. Spencer, welcome to the show. Tell us about uh, the research that you've got and what you found out regarding last year. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. And the you know, uh, fiscal year-end report for ICE, it just highlights the damage that the Biden administration has really done when it comes to the immigration topic and the ongoing immigration crisis that his administration created. You know, we've, we've heard so much about the nearly 2 million illegal aliens that were apprehended at the southern border with many of those making it into the country and hundreds of thousands of more who got into the country without being apprehended. But what really alarmed me recently was this new report that came out from ICE showing that there was only 59,000 total removals during fiscal year 2021. And on top of that, of course, it's important to note that the fiscal year goes from October through September. So 
months of that was during the Trump administration. And we dug into these deep, these figures a little more. We found out that half of all the deportations that occurred occurred during those you know three and a half months that Trump was still president. Meaning that the Biden administration is barely removing a hundred people per day. And again, for context, the Trump administration was removing approximately three thousand. So you're talking thirty times less. And it really just highlights that while the Biden administration hasn't actually abolished ICE, they have effectively abolished their mission. And of course, near the end of fiscal year 2021, just a few months ago, you saw Secretary uh, of of DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas, release even newer policies that further handcuff ICE from doing their job. So it looks like the days of actually deporting those who violate our immigration laws are largely behind us. Let me let me make sure that we, we've got uh, a, a, an understanding that uh, the, the folks heard those figures correctly. We've got about 2 million people that came in uh, and, right. fi- and 59,000 that were deported. So, in That's other correct, words, yeah. if we're sitting in a boat and we're taking in 2 million gallons, but we are displacing... 59,000 gallons, uh, I'd say we're sinking. Absolutely. Now, of course, some of the individuals apprehended at the southern border were ultimately removed via Title 42, but it's also important to remember that there are hundreds of thousands that got in the country without Border Patrol ever even catching them. Correct. So, yeah, the illegal alien population in the United States has grown significantly, and there's really no sign of it slowing down. This isn't, you know, we're not reviewing an old crisis that's over. This is ongoing. This is continuing to be an issue. And it's starting to really hit Americans where it hurts, you know. Uh, Last year, of course, the pandemic uh, really slowed down ICE's ability to deport illegal aliens, but they still removed removed more than 150,000. In 2019, that figure was over 250,000. So you really just see how far that has dropped. Well, the other thing that's very, very interesting is, uh, I mean, we have a Hearst newspaper here. We call it the local fake news. And uh, one of the things that we have heard in, uh, uh, you know, from some of these uh, liberal news outlets is that um, that there's so many people that are being deported. And we hear sob stories about people being deported. Uh, you know, it, it, if that's just a bu- drop in the bucket, if that's the reality, well, then for crying out loud, uh, you know what happens when we start deporting, when we get a, a conservative news, a, a conservative uh, president that actually starts enforcing the law. What's going to happen then? Well, I think we got a taste of that when President Trump was in office. You know, they just they couldn't handle it. There were lawsuits flying left and right, completely baseless. But the attempt was to try to you know delay these things from taking place. You know, spew fake news about what was actually going on at the border in a desperate attempt to stop it. But I think with President Biden in office, you're kind of seeing that truth of if you give the radical left, I would say an inch, but this is more like a mile, they're going to demand 50 miles. Exactly. They're not happy, they're not happy that deportations have gone down 70, 80 percent. They want them to go down 100 percent. Not only do they want them to come down 100 percent, they want us to start importing more of these people in of our own free will. So, I mean, this is not a situation where, hey, we got to where the left is happy and this is the worst we've seen. They're going to want this to get worse and worse, and they're just never going to be satisfied with anything that the Biden administration gives them. Now, the other is situation in this whole thing is the security and the safety. I mean, uh, obviously, um, uh, Section 42 was about COVID, and that uh, somewhat addressed the issue of people coming in that were sick. But what about uh, criminals? What about uh, potential terrorists, particularly when we've got Putin threatening us and importing Chechens to fight uh, Chechen mercenaries to fight in uh, in the in Ukraine, while we know that uh, it was Chechens that uh, committed a, uh, a a heinous act at the Boston Marathon, uh, and and I believe those guys came in legally uh, as refugees. I mean, what uh, what sense do we have of uh, our safety? Well, you know, that was something that the Biden administration promised the right that he was going to do. You know, maybe I'm not going to deport all illegal aliens, but I'm going to focus on deporting criminals. Well, again, this report that just came out shows he's not doing that. They tried to tout the number of criminals that they removed, but if you look at the numbers, you see that they're removing fewer. For example, despite, again, 
two million individuals being apprehended at the border, more people crossing the border now than ever before. You saw uh, the arrests of illegal aliens who had committed murder went down 18%. Uh, those who had committed sexual assault down 42%. Those who had committed kidnapping down 35%. So again, fewer illegal aliens are being deported. We also got a hold of some preliminary data last month that showed that the Biden administration released 16,000 illegal aliens who had criminal convictions or charges that they had already detained. They made the concerted effort to actually release criminals into American society, which, again, is extremely concerning because you don't know what these individuals are going to go on to commit. And, you know, while this number may not seem huge, I think if you look at it in context, it really is. We found out that 34 individuals deported last year were either known or suspected terrorists. And, you know, that again, that just makes me ask the question, you know, so many individuals are getting into the country without detection right now because Biden has removed both Border Patrol off the border and have turned them into essentially a welcoming committee, and ICE isn't doing their job. Makes me wonder, how many of these individuals have actually gotten into the United States successfully without detection? Oh, it, it, it is really frightening. It really, really is. I mean, uh, I, I, have a, I have a niece that uh, a couple of years ago was uh, in a minor fender bender with uh, an mm-hmm. illegal alien here in San Antonio. The guy didn't have a, a driver's license, didn't have insurance, and the car was not even uh, registered uh, properly. So, uh, I mean, and that was a ma- minor thing, and there's nothing that could, mm-hmm. could be done about that. I can't imagine what happens if they've committed a major crime and they disappear. Exactly. You know, I think it's important to kind of note on that as well. You know, I, I actually grew up in Texas, and I remember growing up how difficult it was for me to get work as a teenager, for example, because there was such a big uh, rush of illegal aliens coming into the country at that time as well. Something else, you know, we really have to keep in mind here is the economic impact. You know, uh-huh. we're still recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, you know. Jobs are coming back, but with all of these individuals who aren't supposed to be in the country coming into the country – a lot of this work is going to them, and we're still seeing a lot of individuals, especially those who are working, you know, lower-paying jobs, trying to get into the market, are struggling to find the work. So when you kind of take these two things together, both the sheer number of criminals that are being released into the country, as well as those who are coming into the country looking for work in a still somewhat sluggish economy, it really just kind of highlights what a severe crisis the Biden administration has created. Well, it, you know, the situation, I don't know, I, I you know, we, we need to, to, to close our interview here, but uh, uh, in conclusion, I mean, is there any light at the, at the end of the tunnel other than uh, a change of, of, of administrations? Not really, simply because as long as the Biden administration has control of the immigration issue, they have demonstrated that they're going to continue to go down this role of welcoming all illegal aliens, whether they're criminals or not, into the country. And, of course, we've also seen situations like the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal where they brought in uh, more than 100,000 individuals that were not vetted, didn't necessarily uh, qualify for refugee status. Some of them have actually since been found to have been a part of the Taliban, and they've disappeared into U.S. society. We can't find them. So really the thing I think that the American people really need to push for, especially going into the midterm elections, is, you know, thinking about what can we do to pressure Congress to take back some of the power that has been delegated to the administration, whether that's essentially saying in order for you to continue to make these immigration policies, you have to respect existing rule of law, or even passing laws that require the administration to you know, consider some of the implications of their immigration policy at this point. So that's really the, that's really the main way forward right now, barring, again, a change of administration at some point, because the Biden administration is just showing that they are not interested at all and getting a grip on this crisis. You got it, buddy. We've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Mr. Spencer Rayleigh from uh, FAIR, Research Director at FAIR in Washington, D.C. Spencer, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Once again, my friends, thank you for joining us today. Uh, let me again ex- uh, tell everyone that uh, if you're interested in inviting me for a, uh, as, a as a speaker at an event... Uh, please, please feel free to contact me either through social media or through the uh, through the station. The other thing is that we want to emphasize to you that we uh, really would appreciate your support, your help. Uh, we're always looking for sponsors for our show. We're also oh, uh, we also have uh, a uh, a book for sale, 
el conservador, conservative, conservative opinions. It's a, 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 a compilation, a, a, a gathering of, of essays, which I have written over the past uh, few years regarding issues related to uh, illegal immigration, race relations. Oh, now that's a hot topic. And, of course, uh, the issue of the fake news. So uh, let me encourage everyone, please, if you have a chance, go uh, anywhere where you can buy books uh, and uh, order the book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions. I would appreciate the support. Also, um, we want to uh, encourage everyone to please go ahead and share our program. Um, we post the program every week. We post it on social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's MeWe, uh, or Facebook, and uh, we encourage folks to uh, to download it or to share it and uh, and listen to it because uh, well because my friends it's 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 critically important that we hear this. Like I mentioned at the very very beginning, the shootout that occurred in Nuevo Laredo has not been reported widely. It has not been reported widely. Uh, uh, you know we we see this over and over again. In fact, everything that is happening on the border right now has taken a very, very back seat to both the economy, the disastrous inflation that we've got going on, as well as to the to the war in Ukraine. And uh, it, uh, you know, we are now being pushed, uh, the issue of Ill illegal immigration is being pushed to the back, to the rear, even though it doesn't slow down. Even though millions of people, yes, millions, of people continue to enter the United States illegally. You know? So how are we going to get them out of here? How are we ever going to stop this? Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, the only way to do it, my friends, is to stop making them feel welcomed. That's the only way to stop it. Once again, my friends, thank you for joining us today. Join us next week. We're going to have another packed show uh, that I'm sure you'll, you'll enjoy. So, well, without further ado, thank you once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Thank you for being with us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.